Hey, morning everyone. Um, it's that time again where I'm back up here once a year. But um, when I woke up this morning, um, we woke up late. And um, my wife was running around telling everyone, get up, get up, we're going to be late. And I was like, oh no, what if I miss out today and I don't come? <laughs> but we, we, we made it, we just made it on time. But, um, so, um, if you have your Bibles with you, if you turn to Ephesians 1, we'll be reading um, Ephesians 1. Verses 13 and 14. Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. It's only a short one. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Now, I know it's only two verses, very short, but um, in these two verses, I believe it explains everything about a believer's life and how they are converted. So, um, I love the book of Ephesians, it covers everything from conduct, blessings, church unity, spiritual warfare, and so much more. But today I want to share with you is the topic of salvation. So the title of my sermon today is God's Promise of Salvation. So Paul is the author of um, Ephesians, obviously. You can see here in verse 1, Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus, of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now I want everyone to remember the term in Christ or in him. If you read the whole of chapter 1, Paul constantly says in Christ or in him. Now that term in Christ or in him, it means to be a believer. It means someone that loves Christ, a true follower of Christ. I want us to keep that in mind as we um, move through the text. Has anyone here been to um, Ephesus? Oh, yeah, so, yeah, I've been there too. No, I haven't been there, but it's a nice place. I've seen it on Google. It looks like a really good place to go to. But um, Ephesus is a small town in Turkey, which is, um, it's, it's now called Sel Selçuk, I think, is that right? Okay, oh, I'm not sure. Well, Paul's journey to the city of Ephesus, you can find that in Acts 19. So uh, Ephesus was a town full of Jewish and Gentile people who believed in uh, many different gods and spirits and uh, they practiced uh, a lot of magic there. Yeah? But the main god in that city was a god named Artemis. It was a woman god. And they built a big temple of um, Artemis and people used to worship that god. And this was before Paul came along. I did have photos to show, but um, we couldn't get it going. So I, did, uh, I have it on my phone. I could show you like this, but you won't be able to see it. 
So Paul arrived in Ephesus. He was determined to um, stamp God, you know, in, in the city. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul spoke boldly in uh, synagogues, preaching the word of God. Paul drove out evil spirits and converted a lot of non-believers. And he made sure that God was known to all. But not everyone in Ephesus um, believed in God and not everyone accepted Christ. But the ones that did, that was the first church of, um, of Ephesus. So Paul wrote the book of Ephesians after his journey to Ephesus. He wrote it somewhere around um, 60 to 80, 60, 63, while he was in prison in Rome. And Paul writes this letter in Ephesians 1 to the church of Ephesus to remind them who they are in Christ. Because somewhere along the track they had forgotten about their first love. And Jesus mentions this in the book of Revelation where he says the church of, of Ephesus has forgotten about their first love. Meaning that they have forgotten about God. So verses 1 to 12, Paul is um, he's just reminding the church of who they are in Christ, spiritual blessings, and um, everything that, you can, that God has given them is found in Christ. But in verse 13, notice that there are three main points that I want to touch on. Verse 13 says, In him you also remain heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So the three main points we have is heard, believed, and sealed. Hang on, it's getting hot up here. What is the word of truth that Paul mentions here? Well, it's the gospel. I'm sure everyone here knows what the, what the gospel is. But um, let's have a look in the Bible and see what the gospel actually is before we move on. So, 1 Corinthians 15.1. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 15.1. It says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, and which you stand, by which also you were saved. If you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That is the message of the gospel that we should be hearing, that Jesus loved us and he died for our sins. Anything other than that is not the gospel. I remember growing up in my 20s and um, there were a lot of people that preached to me when I used to go out. I used to go out on this, um, I used to go out like night clubbing when I was younger and there was a lot of um, preachers out on the streets and they used to try and preach to me the gospel and um, not once, twice, but many times. And I used to tell myself, how come I can't hear what they're saying? I can't understand what he's saying and it, it didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't accept it, obviously, and I came out of my life, but during that time I was still in church. I was uh, Catholic and I was still going to church at that time, so I thought that I was saved during that whole time, but um, the message that they were preaching to me was the gospel, and we can all relate to this because when we preach the gospel to other people, it just goes in here and out here, 
this is this what happens to me when they were preaching to me and it was going in here, out here, I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then um, it's the same as when your mum talks to you and you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, in here, out here. So it's important, you know, that we are hearing the right gospel and it's important that we are preaching the right gospel. And um, the other reason why people don't receive the good news or the gospel is that people don't accept the bad news. So the bad news is that without God, you're pretty much doomed. You know, you have nothing without God. Now, I shared uh, the gospel to a friend of mine a while ago there's a close friend of mine, and um, I said, oh, he said to me, um, he's not ready to receive Jesus. The same answer I said to the other preacher on the road, I'm not ready to receive Jesus. I've got a lot of bad things that I do in my life. I said to him, um, who said you had to get rid of those things before you come to Christ? That this is an idea that's been going around for years, is that people believe that you have to be good and then come to Christ. You come to Christ with your baggage, with all your mess, and you leave holy. Christ heals you. You can't heal yourself and then come to Christ. There is no point of having Christ. That makes sense? So everyone that comes to Christ comes to Christ in their brokenness. That's how, that's how it's done. Don't ever think and wait that I need to fix myself first. It's not going to work. You'll be here till next week. <laughs> So that's an idea that I hear a lot from younger people, but um, in Romans 10, 16, Paul says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. Half the problem that I never knew Christ when I was young is because, you know, like I said before, I wasn't hearing it. I was just going in here and out the other here, and I never, I never had a true relationship with Christ, and... Basically, I never really read his, uh, read his word. This is the lamp to my feet. And with, without this, we're walking around like this. You can't see without this. This is the ultimate guide to, to your life. So what happens when a person puts their trust and faith in Jesus Christ? Acts 2.38, Peter says, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift. What is the gift? The Holy Spirit. Yes, that's right, you receive one gift. <laughs> Sounds like I'm selling something. The gift is the third person of the Trinity. That is the Holy Spirit. He is your best friend. He is your helper. He is your guide. He is Christ in you. Jesus says in John 16, 7, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. But if I do not go away, the Helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Isn't that comforting to know that God is with us wherever we go? But in saying that, how can a believer fear anything if the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and dwells in us. You know when we are down, it is the Spirit that speaks to us and guides us through our weakest times. But yet some of us walk around like we don't know the Spirit. People today like to know that they are saved, but they act like they're not saved. 
and people want to know that they're going to, to heaven, but they act like they're going to hell. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. You're either in or you're out. You're either in Christ or not in Christ. Romans 8, 9 says, Anyone who does not have the Spirit does not belong to Him. Now, I think that's pretty straightforward. The Holy Spirit is evidence in your life that someone belongs to Christ. So some of you may ask, um, well, how do we know who's in Christ and who isn't in Christ? Well, I don't know. I don't know who's in Christ and who isn't in Christ. But uh, imagine if Sonny was standing at the door with a machine and he scanned each person and the, the scanner said, yep, you're saved. No, you're not saved. <laughs> That'll be funny, yeah. So, but you know, only God can tell who's saved. It's not our job to go around and ask who's saved and who isn't saved, you know. But um, you yourself should know if you are truly saved. But the Bible does say that the Spirit produces fruit, fruit in your life. And the Holy Spirit produces this fruit, and the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think I only have two of those. I lack in a lot of these areas, but it's alright. So these are the attributes of Christ that we should that should be evidence in our life. And that's why we are set apart from the non-believer. They should see us and know us by our fruits. If anyone lacks in those areas, it's okay, it's a journey, it's a process. Christ works with us, he works with us. You don't become master in this area straight away. But now that a person has heard the word of truth and received the gift, which is the Holy Spirit, what happens now? In verse 13, having also believed, you were sealed. Where were you sealed? At home? At the park? In your room? No, you were sealed in Christ. You were sealed as a believer. So you were a believer, now you're a believer. You're sealed. So not only is the Holy Spirit our helper, He is the promise. The promise. He is the down payment. He is God's way of guaranteeing that our salvation is secure. The Holy Spirit makes sure that we reach our destination. No one here can make it to their destination without Christ. So when Paul says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, he is basically saying you cannot lose your salvation. Once you've accepted the gospel, your faith is secure. We all understand that when Jesus makes a promise that he can't break it. And a lot of people that I've met over life they find it hard to understand God's promises. In John 3.16, when it says, For whosoever believe will not, will not perish, but have, have eternal life. That's a promise. But some people still live like, oh, that doesn't, I don't believe that. Because they live like they're not secure. So Jesus is repeating the same promise here that Paul is saying in these two verses. So when Paul says you are sealed, he means that you are sealed for a future event. 
Verse 14 says, Who is our guarantee of our inheritance until, until meaning future, until we acquire possession of it. The future event that we are waiting for and that the Holy Spirit seals us for is to, is to be physically adopted. We know what it means to be adopted. When we convert it, we adopted, but there's a physical adoption at the end. This is called the glorification, where we meet him, where we now see Jesus for who he is. Romans 8.23 says, Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption. What is the adoption? The next one says, the redemption of the body. Now that we are saved, we are eagerly awaiting that special day where we will be glorified. And the Holy Spirit is our guarantee that we make that special day. This is where the doctrine of eternal security comes in. It means that a person who is saved cannot lose their salvation. Here are a few reasons why I believe that a believer cannot lose their salvation. Number one, because the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. If you could lose your salvation, then the Holy Spirit is not the guarantee. And these verses I read is not true. Number two, because whoever shall believe will have eternal life. That's a promise. Number three, if you could lose your salvation, how would you get it back? Would you say a longer prayer? Would you go on your knees all day and pray to get it back? Well, you can't earn the salvation, so how would you get it back? It's simple, you can't lose it. Or it's either you never had it, or you can't lose it. I could give you a hundred reasons why you can't lose your salvation, but we don't have all day, and the sermon is very short. <laughs> so, I was trying to make it long, but it's short now. So, everything that we've covered here, is promised to those in Christ, okay? In Christ. That's the magic word that we're looking at. It's in Christ. That's the importance of that term, in Christ. Nowhere does God promise a non-believer to become a believer. That we hear that a lot. God promises a believer to become saved to the end. Not a non-believer to believer, if that makes sense. That is the promise of salvation. I can't believe it's finished time already. So I want to close up. We don't have much time because, you know, you have to go out and... So I'll wrap it up real quick. <laughs> so I want to close up by saying um, that when God makes a promise, nothing can break that promise. Just believe that these are promises, you know. Even when you go through a hard time, just believe in God's promise. The problem is not God. You know, the problem is not God. The problem is not the Bible. The problem is us. We don't believe. Our God is faithful. And even when we are not, He's still faithful. So if you're feeling discouraged, or if you're feeling that your, your work is going downhill, or you're battling some personal issues, just remember that your salvation is secure. There's nothing you can do to get out of it. God's promise, his blessings, his, your identity, 
everything, your eternal security, everything happens in Christ. Thank you. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, may your gospel reach the hearts of those who are yet to know you. May we leave this place with full assurance that when we believe, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Lord, continue your great work in us that we may be the light of this fallen world. We thank you for your word that has the, is the lamp to our feet and the light to my path. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and we thank you for this journey. In Jesus' name, amen.